Can you guys see all of my friends that I'm hanging out with here? Yeah, I thought the, you got rid of all those. No, they're just here. Huh. Yeah. My apple cider vinegar and sugar thing has been killing it at my house lately. And by it, I mean fruit flies. Uh, are you getting any ants in there to go with it? No. Bummer. No. No ant issues in the house at all. Is that a thing you're experiencing? Ants, I'm starting to think that I'm maybe Ant-Man. Oh, they no. follow me everywhere. I don't want to spend time with you. Uh, it's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably fine. perfectly acceptable podcast episode 198 i can see in roman's glasses that he's looking at something on the internet which he doesn't usually do what are you looking at I, I, I was just tra- i just re- transferring that uh clipson article address to a new tab because i realized when we finish this i won't have access to the chat anymore oh what a good thing i've just done where every tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books <laughs> for our comic shop that we run and own and love and uh then we take them all home and read them and then we gather back to talk about them as if we were in the comic shop that we work at um because we can't be we do it on zoom now that that's what we do but if you want to taste if you want to taste the comic shop you want to taste being in a comic shop right now in a pandemic uh listen to this podcast join us come with us down the rabbit hole um and feel that with me god the experimentations have just gone wild i feel like this (laughs) i feel like this batch has been given a strange protein and i feel like we should just seal off the wing well, this is the. Uh, 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 never mind. I can't. I can't. Where, I can't Jeff. do it with a straight face. I'm Django. I'm Roman. Hey, you three boys of me and two included. <laughs> how was how was your how was everyone's day off? Did everyone have a day off? Gosh, yeah i I worked on the collection tracking machine a lot. Good. In fact, so much that I shirked my other work. Good. And I have to I love, go and do that after the podcast. I love when you shirk it. <laughs> Um, and then I took a fucking nap. I nice. had a family meeting uh, with my my parents and my siblings, and yeah, just kind of. Jenny, your goes. fruit flies are making me think that I have fruit flies. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want some, just I'm come like, get some air in my house because it's mostly made out of fruit flies. They're just making me glad I don't have any fruit flies. Ugh. Hey, and then Roman, um, let me see. You're still in a bathrobe and <laughs> drinking tea. It looks like. I bet, you're drinking water. I bet you're drinking water just, out of a mug, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, just water. Yeah. I knew it. I Jesus knew Christ. It. Okay, he just Jeff. picked up a mug and drank out of it. And I was like, oh, it's probably tears. <clears> and then I was like, no, of course Roman is drinking water out of a mug. Okay. Do you drink water out of opaque vessels, Jeff? No. No. What kind of monster <laughs> would do that? You got to have a clear <laughs> pint glass. If, yeah. I mean, sometimes really? <laughs> if I'm going to drink the water at the sink, like if I'm talking just like I need water quickly and I'm not like it's going to be gone, I will sometimes use a mug. Like if it's coming out okay. of the closet, you know, the, the cupboard consumed and then put down. But um, no, things can get in my water if I can't see through it the whole way, right? Yeah, you might have, <laughs> you might have cuttlefish in there. I hope I don't have cuttlefish in my water. Don't, don't you want to know what I did today on my day off? I did. I do. And okay, I even okay. asked for a clarification, but that's when the mug thing happened. And I, and oh, I moved, mug, okay. after, after oh, two, okay. after two times, if I haven't made forward progress, I move on. <laughs> oh, okay. I had a great lazy indulgent day. I watched 
Enola Holmes on Netflix, okay. which was very charming. Stars the the eleven. So Millie Bobby Brown. Eleven and Superman. Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, that is eleven. Millie Bobby Brown. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I thought was just a singer, but you know, no, it's, it's a, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, it was def- <laughs> it was definitely a fun watch. Um, and then I watched the two thousand last year's movie version of Cats. Oh. which was awesome. Oh. <laughs> it was so surreal. It was so weird and goofy. And, oh, it was great. I feel, and I haven't watched it, but all of the conversation that I've heard about it, and let me tell you, I've heard a lot about <laughs> it because I am yeah. in the same chat that Roman is in, <laughs> of which that, that caused Roman to watch that. But uh, yeah. it feels like the only movie that seems similar to it is Freddy Got Fingered. Which I've never seen. Oh, oh God. If you want some surrealist entertainment, <laughs> let me tell you. About Freddie Got Fingered. But does Freddie Got Fingered have Idris Elba's butthole in it? No, that's the I n- thing. I, I never saw Idris Elba's butthole. We haven't even told the people what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Rorschach, number one. We're going to talk about the X-Men books, um, telling tell Django about them. That's Hellions, number five, uh, New Mutants, number 13, and Cable, number five they made these logos very hard to discern i know they're so tiny does it sound like jeff's patience is wearing out um not we're for only, this experience just for the like x-men comics seven just issues for, in yeah yeah <laughs> uh more than that actually no, eight well so not super super far off strange adventures number six immortal hulk number 38 dark knights death metal number four seven secrets number three and roman's going to tell us about a couple things he's excited about but before we get into rorschach we got to talk some more about DC and what DC is doing. Roman, I know Django heard about this. Our good friend Ryan Russell, who keeps abreast of the news, uh, sent me a message about this in the morning. DC, they were going to do that like 5G thing where, you know, the heroes are gone and it's all like younger, different versions of the heroes are the heroes. And then that got kind of like kiboshed. But when Dan Didio was ousted, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it sounds like they're reworking that to a thing called future state where it's like a jump several years into a fictional future um, because of the fallout of death metal. And they've got a bunch of new creative teams on it. Um, and that's the book where like Lucius Fox is going to be Batman. You know, we heard about that for quite mm-hmm. a while now. Um, there's going to be a couple books with that. Django, what's, What's your thoughts on this whole thing? Or whoever was just about to speak. Sorry, I've got my window looking no, at the books. No, I was just like, I, I thought they, I thought Lucius Fox's Batman was one of the things that was nixed. It sounds yeah. like not. Um, they, well, they had a, a great screenwriter was hired to do it. Um, and he's going to be doing a mini series, but I think it was going to be ongoing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like... You know, I try really hard not to be super down about something until I read it. It doesn't, it doesn't super appeal to me um, because I like, I like a certain amount of continuity in the stories and I would, I would maybe rather see them add this to the slate of comics rather than replace the monthly comics with it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it'll be really good. And there's, there's some solid creative teams. There are some really not solid creative teams. Um, there's a handful of them that I think um, just based on the creative teams and the look of the book are going to be real good. And some of them leave me a little bit cold, but you know, I, I will consume it and, uh, and decide at that point what I'm super excited about and what I'm not. 
Jenga, that was a bold and hot take. Thank you for vulnerably going there with me. Um, <laughs> I At first, I was like disappointed because I, I think you said it really well right there, which is to say I would like these things added to it instead of replacing things. Mm-hmm. Like I, when you replace books with something else, it immediately begs comparison in my mind. It's like you have this instead of this. So now it is, you know, it, it casts a shadow or a light upon it. Um, so I think things are oftentimes weakened if that's where they're starting. But right. when I looked through at first, they were like by all-star creative teams. And I looked through, and I was like, no, they're not. But then I went through and looked at it. I was like, they're not. But then I went through it because that would be like big, big names. What I think is actually really awesome is that a lot of these are names I don't know. And when right. the new 52 happened, it was a lot of older names that everyone already knew right? Mm-hmm. Like Dan Didio was writing things. Fabian Nicieza was writing stuff. Like Liefeld was doing stuff. It was just like a huge cast of like, you remember the nineties? Bam. Um, We're back. Even Rebirth didn't have unknown names, right? Like right. it was for the most part, it was a lot of people. Like we got some people like that was the, the first thing I had read with Ben Percy. It was the first time I'd ever seen Otto Schmidt, but there yeah, are a lot it was of the first, first major um, publisher. Rossimo. Rossimo and Joelle Jones. Yep. Yep. Right. Like she'd done, she'd done some small things before. Um, there are some pretty cool creative teams in here. We've got like Mark Russell and Steve Pugh are doing a thing. So that's not new. You know, I'm excited about that. Yep. Um, in terms of like the overarching story and directions for them, I'm like, I don't really know. This whole future world thing reminds me of like Future's End a couple of years ago. Mm hmm. Um, where there was like everything five years in the future and it was they did the covers and you're like okay this seems like exactly that but um i trust that it will be different but you got like rom v is writing a swamp thing book that's he's writing two or three books and at least one of the futures and ones or one of the uh, what is it future state ones is a book that he is writing the main series for and he said that uh it's going to it's going to actually be a future version of the story that he's telling now. That's cool. So. I, I really like that dude's brain. Um, yeah. Rom. Yeah. He's, he seems really rad. Joel Jones is going to be writing and drawing Wonder Woman. That sounds rad. We're going to get Gene Lewin Yang is writing Batman Superman with mm-hmm. art by Ben Oliver, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Paul Jenkins. Cat, is he doing something? On Arkham Knight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman is Rom V and then Otto Schmidt doing the art. So that's super awesome to me. Mariko Tamaki is going to be in there too. Yep. I'm glad that Rosenberg is getting stuff. Mariko Tamaki is doing a book with Dan Mora on art. That's mm-hmm. rad. Um, that's going to be Dark Detective. Um, you know, you've got some like classic stuff like Dale Eagle Shims doing the art in Flash. Um, so that's, you know, familiar. I don't know these Green Lantern creators, Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey. But anyway, Simone DeMio, uh, Jen Bartel is going to be doing all the interior art in Immortal Wonder Woman, whatever that is. But that sounds, mm-hmm. I mean, Jen Bartel art is, is rad. So well, I do from, think that there's some exciting teams. Yeah. And from kind of a, uh, an industry perspective, uh, DC's offering returnability on all of these, which to me indicates that they have more faith in that, in, in the whole thing than maybe we would expect them to. The cover on Robin Eternal looks rough. Uh, I yeah, the returnability is awesome. It, the, again, that shows retailers that they have faith in in it, and they want us to order a lot of it. The Nightwing one. What I am noticing is there's a lot of straps. Are you noticing a lot of straps? Chin oh. straps, armor straps. There's a lot of Come straps. Come on, dude, it's in the future. Images. 
I guess straps are important. I guess that's true. I didn't even think about that, Roman. And by Roman, I mean Junga. <laughs> I'm actually finding myself kind of excited about it, especially because there is some DC stuff I'm absolutely loving right now, but I think I'm reading fewer DC books right now than I have in the last like five years. Um, yeah, well, you know, what we're, what we're getting to right now, I think is a point where Dan Didio's stuff is not, like those, those books are ending. Yeah. Um, the Three Jokers was something that happened under his watch. Metal happened under his watch. I think Rorschach and uh, Strange Adventures were started with him. And those are like, those are a lot of the books that are doing pretty well industry-wide. And so now we kind of have to see what happens when DC has to take the reins without Dan and, and see what, um, what they do. And this is kind of their, their big outing. One of those books that you mentioned was Rorschach, and I feel like we should talk about this book, which we teased last week. Yeah. And I want you guys to take the reins on this one. Man, I wanted to read it again uh, before we did this, but I didn't. It's uh, Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and Dave Stewart doing um, a story about politics and murder set, I think, pretty solidly shortly after the TV show ended, the Watchmen TV show ended. And so what we get is uh, somebody in a Rorschach costume gets murdered and uh, as, as he kills the woman who shoots him. And we basically follow the detective who's trying to track down what happened. Um, and I, 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 he's a cop, right? Like an actual cop. The, the, the detective? Yeah. The guy in the... Guy in the uh... The guy that he visits is the security guard in the hospital. I don't yeah. know if he's—I don't know if he's a cop or if he's just—he's just a private detective. Okay, so and and he's he's clearly in the pocket of politicians. Yeah. Uh, and Rorschach gets killed on a catwalk above a political rally for um, President Redford's opponent. Right. So the the whole thing is something. Yeah. Some fictional opponent of Redford. That's that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, he's a and he's on a conservative. He's a conservative platform. And there's a there's a real there's there's a cool reveal at the end. There's a lot of nice little world building bits and very subtle hints to setting and um, not a ton of references to Watchmen proper, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I, I really like having having this Rorschach character because we don't. Like we know it's not our Rorschach from the comic. Do we? Well, that's that's kind of the the mystery that they present at the end. He's spoilers, got, everybody. Yeah, but yeah. he's got his fingerprints. Um, but but because he's under that mask, it, that that feels like a red herring to me. I, I have more trust in Tom King than to think that he would resurrect a character that was atomized in Watchmen. Spoilers yeah. for Watchmen. That, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that uh, the detective or the metal, medical examiner, somebody, they get those fingerprints from, you know, an obsessive collector that sends them to them. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if that's a reliable source. Right. If right. that's really Ernie Kovacs' prints. Yeah. I, I thought that the, the art and the arrangement and uh, just the the way that this story t is being told so far was really good. Um, we don't even really know what 
it's about yet. And uh, I, I appreciate that they were able to sort of pull us through the story and not, not give us more than sort of a mystery setup in, in this issue. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, there's nothing overt that's that's like, okay, here's here's what this Rorschach is. Here's what this political opponent is. It's just here's the here's a mystery. Yeah, follow along with us and try and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of thesis statement here. Just uh, what happened. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting that, it, and there's some to adding to the mystery something I didn't expect at all. Um, though it's kind of reminiscent of some of King's work and Strange Adventures, there's um, some mention of some real comic book creators in here I was that are also some of the background mystery. He mentions somebody as Frank Miller and yeah. this dude that becomes Rorschach in this, to me, felt like it was Steve Ditko. Yeah, the Will Myerson character, um, when they're figuring out who Will Myerson is, yeah, that's definitely, even the drawing, they show a drawing of the guy at his drawing board and it's it certainly looks like Ditko I think maybe a little bit Alan Moore too possibly but mainly Ditko but it's the story of Ditko like the recluse who there's no pictures of you know well and that was that was kind of the point of Rorschach in the beginning right like the character of Rorschach was kind of Alan Moore poking at Ditko's beliefs really yeah and yeah like he he wasn't written to be the hero that all the all the cool boys think that he is (laughs) the first time they read Watchmen, like he's not a good guy. He's, he's a smart guy, but he's not supposed to be somebody to idolize in Watchmen. And, uh, and that was like his, his politics were set up to be kind of Ditko's Ayn Rand um, sort of headspace character. And so to have this guy even more on the nose, uh, a Ditko reference is kind of interesting. Hmm. I think that if I, I'm in a weird spot with it because I haven't read Watchmen in a long time and I don't even know like what I think the conversation conversations that Watchmen is having. I don't, I don't know that I have a Jeff's idea of the conversations that Watchmen is having. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, I don't know about the political landscape of Watchmen like the, the the social and political landscape is a very important part of that book, the setting. And I'm unfamiliar with it both through my age and then my, like my distance from Watchmen, which I really want to reread. Um, and so I found this book, like I read the first half when it came in like a week ago and then I reread the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, my only complaint isn't even a complaint, but it was just, it was hard for me to like figure out what was going on. I think it's a story that is a little bit, there's like time jumps in it. It is not forgiving in terms of like the time jump narratives and, and like there's flashbacks and you, you meet a character and then you meet, like you're getting a two time frames of the person and then like telling a story and then the fallouts of afterwards and every single time, well, both times or two or three times, I had to I had to work harder than I probably was thinking I was going to to feel like I was getting everything that was going on here mm-hmm. but I think that that is like again the byproduct of like being pretty unfamiliar with the just the whole sort of social world of Watchmen like if somebody says Redford 
And I think that that means something to you guys. And then I'm like, oh, right. Is that a real president? Is that one of the presidents like in watch? What was going on with like Nixon was that on, was like, a fourth term or like. It, that was only from the show. Was it just a show thing? I think almost all of the Watchmen references in this tie back to the show more than they tie back to the comic. And I guess that's an, the other thing is like, I was curious, okay, I mean, it's been long enough for the show where I'm like, was the show after this or before this? Is this in the show? Can someone tell me what is Watchmen canon right now? Like, what, does it matter? If it doesn't matter, that's cool too. No, comp- just like I, I felt like sometimes, well, sorry, Roman, please. There, well, there's some slightly, slightly different Watchmen canon because there's like Doomsday Clock, DC Universe is its own like canon that's slightly different from the show. Mm-hmm. But this comic seems to be there's some there's like one particular big hint. Oh, the line about Oklahoma um, yeah. that this comic follows maybe five years, I think, because at some point they mentioned 35 or it's an interview with Tom King that I saw on Facebook. Um, where he mentions the time frame is 35 years after the original, the end of the original graphic novel. So that would mean it's five years after the end of season one of Watchmen, right? Uh, yeah, 35 after, 35 years after Rorschach's death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this comic is in the graphic novel and TV show continuity. And it's just a little hard for me to make that fit because I feel like the tech in the Watchmen show seemed like there was futuristic elements to it. So in the Watchmen show, they don't use modern technology because Dr. Manhattan could be potentially spying on them. So nobody has cell phones. Right. All, all of the tech is like beepers and landlines. Well, but also I, what I was thinking more was like, you know, the rich lady who's building the crazy cosmic antenna, like, mm-hmm. like sci-fi tech seemed further along than this book, which feels like it could be in 1980s. Like if I had to yeah. guess what time this book took place and I would say like the eighties. So all of that for me was, was like, I love the writer. I love the artist and I'm obviously going to keep reading it. Um, I think, I just think if I were a bigger fan of Watchmen, and I'm not not a fan of it. It's, just, I've, it's been a long time since I engaged with the actual comic book. And so I think I had similar feelings about the TV show, like when it was starting. I was just sort of like, mm-hmm. I don't really care. And then it was really good, you know? Right. But I'm having a sort of similar feeling about this. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not the guy who's like, I really want a Rorschach book. But it's an amazing creative team. And I think it's going to be an amazing journey. But at, for right now, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm working hard to be a part of it. But I feel a little bit like Django and I's roles were reversed on a lot yeah. of the books that like I bring to the table, you know, like, and you don't need to know this stuff to enjoy the comic, but I happened to see in an article I was reading that uh, online that they're actually Frank Miller and the binder auto binder and his brother. Um, they actually did do a seance hmm. at some point, like I must've been in the seventies um, for some reason and the article doesn't go into that, just the fact that it actually happened. So I'm really curious what that has to do with, with the story here. Interesting. And, and Otto, Otto Binder and his brother were Golden Age creators, and they co-created, Otto Binder co-created like Mary Marvel and Supergirl and, and Captain Marvel Jr. And Interesting. That classics. word, while reading it, and this confused me. I was like, what is Otto Binder? Is that a person or a thing? I didn't realize it was a person. It sounds like something yeah. in a print shop. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it does. And his brother's name was Eando Binder, <laughs> I think. Or wait, that's maybe the that's the brand name of the Otto Binder. I would say probably one of the highest caliber books coming out of the stands right now. And I think if you hold Watchmen closely, you'll pr- either 
be appalled that it exists or be very <laughs> excited to be reading it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be reading it, I'm, but I'm excited to have, I'm excited to be informed by the two of you about a lot of the stuff that's going on there. Cause I do think that being <laughs> steeped in the history of that franchise will help enjoy that a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that Adrian Veidt still has a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they know that he's a turd and yeah. he's been marooned on another planet for years. Yeah. Mars. I yeah. I give it a nine. Uh, the art is amazing. I think that the, the story is real solid so far. And um, I'm impressed that they're doing a Watchmen kind of spinoff without a, not a very strict nine panel grid. Uh, yeah. That they're sometimes yeah. violating to give it an eight panel page. But yeah, I, I, I think it's a solid comic. I'll go 8.5. Yeah. 8.5? Yeah. Real, real good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a 9.5. I, I, I really dug this beautiful art, love that cover. And it was one of three comics this week that I read twice. Nice. I want to read it again. And I, I the action in this just blew me away. Um, okay, Django, I'm sorry to punish you, but let me just get these in you real quick, okay? Uh, I already took a nap today, Jeff. What am I going to... <laughs> Hellions number five was part six. New Mutants 13 is part seven. Cable number five is part eight. Hellions is interesting. They created, there's everyone's gathering their swords, but Mr. Sinister, in a, there's some great Mr. Sinister stuff. We haven't gotten a lot of it in the last year, but it was like some of the best stuff in the House and Powers miniseries. We get some great Sinister, but he's doing his secret shit and his whole crew of Hellions that he had gathered up. Um, they're going to try and go steal swords from the bad guys. That means that they wouldn't be able to have enough participants in this tournament and then they'd have to forfeit. So they've got a sort of clandestine bad group plan going in there. That's what happens in Hellions. Then New Mutants, best part of this is that this is art by Rod Reese, who was doing the Hickman issues of this early on, but they look mm -hmm. like Sinkevich. So mm -hmm. while this was written by Brisson, um, the art is Reese and that's really awesome. This one was just about Cypher has been told that he has to be one of the sword people and warlock's going to be his sword but krakoa is like i don't want you to do it and he's like well i don't really care krakoa i've got to do it i've been selected by this prophecy thing so i have to do it and krakoa is like don't do it and then the whole quiet council is like why is krakoa so pissed about you doing this and it turns out krakoa is like you can't do this because if you die because if you die in other world you can't come back um i won't be able to talk to anybody like you're the only thing that allows he doesn't want to warlock that. to be the sword cypher he doesn't want cypher because cypher's the mutant with the power to communicate warlock's just the crazy thing warlock's gonna be the sword cypher will be the person with the sword um wow i really thought that warlock was able to talk to that's Douglock, right yeah, yeah, so actually may, maybe Cypher has the ability to communicate because of Warlock or something. That that could totally oh, be. Oh, they're fun. they're kind of bonded. Yeah, they've been bonded this whole time. Okay, yeah. got it. But but that's Cypher's power is he he's able to understand any language. Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. So useless just, until very recently. <laughs> this issue is mostly like him going through, like deciding that he is going to battle. There's some great magic stuff in it. And then Kr learning that Krakoa is sort of like weirdly protective of Cypher in a way that almost feels aggressively self-serving. I don't trust mm -hmm. you, Krakoa. And mm -hmm. then in Cable, Andrew, I think, said that the thing that they charged up at the end of the creation first issue was 
the bridge from Reed Richards' Fantastic Four. Maybe that's true. I wasn't sure that that was what was going on here. Um, but there's some a very alien-like space horror, bad people trapped on a spaceship with Cable and Cyclops and Jean. And they do something and ultimately uh, just bring Cable and his sword back as well. So now we have five of the ten Krakoan people with swords. Roman, what did I leave out? What were your thoughts? <laughs> um, well, I didn't read Cable. Okay. But I read it the was, other two. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how I feel about Young Cable. I Gorgeous just, art. Philip Noto art. Really? Are we sure that he doesn't pronounce it Cable? Cable. <laughs> Cable. Cable. <laughs> um, my thought, you know, Jeff, Django, it's amazing. I, I never liked Mr. Sinister. I thought he was like the, one of the lamest characters to come out of the 90s. This series and this issue in particular, I'm like, wow, Mr. Sinister is awesome. Yeah. Even his costume, which I used to think was stupid, I even appreciate that because I'm like, oh, it's he's this theatrical Andrew Lloyd Webber character. This is great. <laughs> yeah, like written into House of X or last summer, you know, like the weird thing about him and his cape and like getting a cape and stuff. And like, yeah, he's got these secret clones for himself. And so they're like, all right, you know, Sinister, if you want to have this secret group, go do this shit. You have to go with them. He's like, I don't want him. They're like, you have to. So he then goes and just warms up one of his clones. And he's like, you have to go pretend to be me. And the dude's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so they do rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go do it. And then the winner gets to keep the cape. Um, but like, they all want this cape. It's there. Yeah. yeah. Sinister is so well written. And I think that it's like, it's the character that seems to be Hickman, like really singing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so much fun. How do you feel about what this whole thing is, which is like, you know, we're eight issues in of 22 so we're almost a third maybe we're, we're a third of this story in and it's it's like a it's just a thing where everyone has to go gather a weapon and then gather up to have a big tournament what is that does that bum you out at all are you excited about that am i leading you the the only part that bums me out is that you know it's detracting pretty heavily from the away from the storylines of each of these individual books and at first i thought well this is pretty stupid and it is kind of dumb but I kind of like the dumbness of it. I like at the end of every issue, there's another X-Man with their sword on their place on the circle. It's just like, you know, yeah, a video, yeah it's just like a video game or a, or a manga story, action story. I will defend you. <laughs> it's, so it's just goofy. And I like, you know, I like the whole thing with Krakoa because I'm, you know, since day one, I've been like, you know, we can't trust him. He's up to something. Yeah. And yeah, that's even becoming more and more. Okay, amazing. but but that seems like a very easy jump like if i wouldn't want to send my mouth and my hands which could do asl to battle where it couldn't come back right right like i would i would not want my only means of communication to be killed I would, if, if I were Krakoa, I would also lobby to keep right. Cypher and, and for sure. Around. But I think that's the, the, to Roman's point, like that's kind of the thing is like, it's all been like justifiable. He's not overtly creepy, mm -hmm. but they're also, you could choose to be like, that's also kind of self-serving. I mean, like there's a weird amount of like, I'm ready to not trust that dude. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want that to happen with my only means of communication either, but there's also the fact that before that became a possibility, um, Krakoa didn't want them to open, I think, the Eternal Gate. He, did, he didn't want them to close it because he, he wanted want to, to be able to it. go to Araco. Yeah, so there's some, I, I think there's something yet to be revealed about Krakoa's relationship with Araco and Otherworld and 
all that that he doesn't want the mutants to find out about maybe i agree with roman's sentiment of like it is kind of dumb but it is it's a it's a fun dumb it's a very like a saturday morning cartoon fun from when you're a kid it's not a complaint about it but i would imagine the first big event of the hickman x-men book that i've been loving and it's very high concept i would think it would be a little bit more high concept than this is so from Mm -hmm. that standpoint it's it's below my expectations for it but it's it's different than what i thought it was and i am enjoying it for that yeah eight out of 22 in that's that's bonkers but it is you know you're more than a third of the way through buddy just keep on keeping on i really like i appreciate that the the x universe is this unified i really like that you can read all of the if you know if you've got the bank or the time if you wanted to get all of these you could be getting this like not it's like what was appealing about marvel originally like all of these mm-hmm. characters in the same town at the same time and they cross there like that's like x-men is like a microcosm of the marvel universe you can have nine series all existing in perfect step with one another and that is a very cool feat to pull off even when it's not exactly the story you want to read so so far i would say it's it's like an eight good that's a good number yeah yeah i'd, I'd put it somewhere around there <clears throat> i mean for making me love mr sinister that's that gets an eight right there you yeah. think that by the time hellions nine comes out it'll be a nine yeah i do i do think that guys we got to talk about strange adventures number six um we talked about maybe skipping we talked about maybe (laughs) skipping this because we've talked about every issue of this series but it seems like the type of book that you talk about every issue for because it's actually once a month and it's special and the last time mitch garrods and tom king put a book out it won all the eisners you can win so and we talked about every single panel (laughs) yeah this one you know it's it's mostly uh is her name alana yeah yeah Alana and Mr. Terrific going on a date where she seems like maybe she's ready to, you know, get down to it with Mr. Terrific throughout this whole thing, getting an interview mostly about what happened from her perspective to their child. And that is all, of course, interspliced by battle scenes and stuff on Ran. But there are these gorgeous sequences of her and Mr. Terrific walking through the snow and having these conversations and just the character acting within that is absolutely incredible. Listen, up-and-coming artists, figure out how to do snow in a way that intrigues us, and we will talk positively about your comic. Yeah, I love snow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're not going to try and keep everybody up to date or say something brand new about the series because we've talked about all the issues, but we have to fucking talk about Alana. What is up with this fucking person? We got some... We got a, I, So I, I had an idea. You know, I had some thoughts that showed up at the end of my the end of this issue for me that made me think about some of the stuff going down the pipe. But did anybody else before I get into that? My before I get into my conspiracy theories, do you? Where are you guys at with this? I don't. I don't trust her, and I don't trust the war narrative that we keep seeing. The the part that's uh, drawn by Evan Shaner. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think that what we see there is probably from his book, uh, which. Or, or her interpretation of what happened. Um, yeah. So I don't know that we can 100% trust what we're seeing there. And I think that she's looking out for herself and Adam Strange. And I, I don't know, I'm not tracking it well enough and I'm not reading it slow enough to really get all of the subtleties of the conversations that she has, but something just doesn't quite feel true. So this one the big thing that terrific says is like what happened to your daughter and what we learn is that in this battle of the picks maybe after they thought they had beaten them or most of them uh strange and his daughter went out to go have some father-daughter time and when he came back she was gone and he said that the picks had kidnapped her and done something horrible to her mm-hmm. and that's why there was no body to be buried with and i started to think we've been really 
kind of heavily belabored the idea that we shouldn't trust Alana in all of this. But what if the actual person that has lied is Adam Strange and he lied to her mm-hmm. about what happened to their daughter? So Mr. Terrific is right. Like what she is saying is wrong. But she but, doesn't know it. Right. And she trusts this dude enough to not want to question or find something else out. But I think that we've been looking at her as like the agent of manipulation. And I think in fact, she is the victim of manipulation. And because she has been misinformed, she can't be reliable. Like she can't be honest because when she's being honest, she's saying a mistruth and we're not able to trust it. So that seems kind of what I, and like, you know, Adam strange in this one, he's a good guy, but we don't know what happened with the daughter and stuff. So either he maliciously did, you know, like see, part of me was like, did he make a deal? Like, are the only reason, because they say like, no one has ever stopped the picks before. Did he make a deal? Did he sacrifice his daughter to save the planet for the picks? And he had to lie to Alana about that. Like, huh. So I like those ideas were coming to me near the end of this issue. Yeah. And that's, that's all really intriguing. Or is, was uh, he so war traumatized by whatever happened? Is he also telling this narrative that isn't true, but it's out of his trauma and, coping badly with that it's all it's it's kind of another mystery yeah and i i dig that you know i dig i dig that mystery i I do like the pacing of it um yeah tom king you guys he's he knows how to work with 12 issues he knows how to work (laughs) with 12 issues this one has some really nice six panel grid like really interesting Mm -hmm. and good usage of the six panel grid um, he's just, he's a really interesting writer. Nothing you read from him goes in your eye and then out it really quickly, you know, yeah. like at all, all of them, these are the last two books I read this week. They're two of my favorite books coming out, probably Rorschach in this, but I also like am ready to like, I'm going to, sometimes I just want to push it off several days to read it. Cause you know, the time you're like, there's a lot there and I want to actually maximize it. It's an interesting writer. It's, I have an interesting relationship with it. One of my favorite writers, but I don't necessarily always jump towards reading it because it's not a super casual thing. Well, it's something to be savored and studied, I think, because yeah. he's he's doing a lot of very subtle storytelling in there. Um, and I like I had I had no idea that the phrase "No man is an island." Don't ask for whom the bell tolls; it tolls for thee. We're from the same piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and reading that, I, I really liked that in this context. Um, like I'd never, I'd never read that, that thing from John Dune. Done? Dune. Done. 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 And it, it kind of like, it, it fits the story really well because nobody's doing things in a vacuum, right? So all the, all the good stuff that Adam did on ran wasn't done alone he was doing it for everyone else on ran and with everyone else on ran and so any sacrifice that's made is not made just for him it's made for all of ran kind or mankind or i didn't i didn't uh spend a lot of time with that poem and your read on it is on point i think that's that's rad i didn't think about that interpretation of it but um i think tom king i love the way that he uses poetry and narration and short story and like mixed media narration Mm -hmm. because 
in the your interpretation of it, like I think you drew a really good comparison of it right there. But I also think that he oftentimes uses poetry narratives in a way that like is exactly what poetry is, which is sometimes less of a place, more of a feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes poetry isn't, you read it less to have an idea of what happened at the end and more for the experience of moving through it. And I think he uses that with his narration a lot of the time like in embedding poems and stuff. So even when it doesn't have a really obvious comparison in my mind, I think it still feels like there's things to be mined because it's like almost like the actual embodiment. I was having a good brain day to be able to read a whole poem that took an entire page of a comic and then put it in context with the comic and the conversation that was happening in there. Normally that's not something that I really like because it, it slows things down so much and I I should just surrender to taking three times longer to read and digest a a comic like that. But um, this one happened to have some impact on me. Awesome. I would give that one an 8.5. You guys, I, I, you know, it, it, a month goes by and you're like, do I still like this? And then you get into it and you're like, oh, I really do. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Oh, my hot really sauce. Yeah. And he quoted Marie Severin in the end. Yeah. Nine, nine and a half, nine and a half. All right. I'm yeah. going to give it a nine. You guys talked me into a nine. I went for, up. I was like, am I going to be the, <laughs> the most northern score with an 8.5? But weak nine. little man. I am a weak little <laughs> watery glass of milk. <laughs> yeah. Boy, and Django bringing up that quote by her. Um, by Marie Severin. Um, and that, I love that quote because it just kind of hints at uh, trauma, not only of war, but maybe even hints at the trauma of writing propaganda for war, which is what Django pointed out, uh, and I agree, is, is Doc Shaner's artwork, his, 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 that part of the narration is war propaganda, I think. Oh, I hadn't even thought of it as war propaganda, but yeah, it's, it's flashy and fun and yeah. it's thrilling. Yeah, it's it's the old-fashioned, like, Adam Strange, Buck Rogers type of Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah, war shouldn't be thrilling. It should be scary and horrible. Um, Everybody, we just killed an enormous spider in Jeff's house. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen, maybe the size of my head. But before we talk too much about that, (laughs) let's do a different horror uh, thing. Immortal Hulk 38, I thought it would be fun to just jump back in. A lot of people I love that are parts of the store are still reading and loving this book. Every time I pull books and I see that Will Elmer and Andrew Carlson are still getting this and I'm not, I don't remember if Nathan Butcher's getting it or not, but I'm like, man, I'm dropping the ball by not. So I just figured, you know what? I'm a big boy. I can miss 13 issues and I'm back in. It's 38 and I can confidently say that I don't know what's going on. I didn't read it. Oh, (laughs) Um, I read it. This is this is one of the <clears throat> other books I read twice because it's so there's so much going on. It's so meaty. Um, what uh, well, what are your questions about it? What, what, no, I mean it? I don't. I, I I feel like I just missed like 13 issues. I think that the big thing is that like we've more concretely kind of created this space where like all of the different personalities are sort of hanging out together in his head slash in a space, and they have a kind of rep rapport and different people are driving the car at different times. I think we've flushed out those personalities that have the ability to drive the car and the sort of waiting room when you're waiting to drive the car. Those two concepts seems to have been more flushed out in the last 13 issues of me reading it than I had been before. Um, but there's still working with, and it's, there's the clear evolution of a lot of the ideas like the green door, the horrible relationship with the father, um, you know, even radiation, what that is, all of those stories don't seem like I'm so far behind that I couldn't appreciate it. But it does, they're just in terms of like flushing out the different Hulk 
personalities. I'm, I feel like I'm behind the curve on that. Like I was homesick for a week and now I'm kind of worried about the whole <laughs> class being ahead of me. And, and just sort of the mechanism that they've created for that. But I, I think that between having read it and then hearing you explain your thoughts about it, I would be able to put even more pieces together. So, you know, what is this bringing together and what are your thoughts about it without worrying about explaining it to me? But yeah. like, uh, what, what do you just tell, tell me what, uh, what did you like about this one? Oh man, it's such a great series. And this issue, um, just quickly bringing people up to speed, basically the leader has come back from, from the dead, like all gamma people do. Um, but he's... And the leader was originally a, a janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those dirty janitors. Um, <laughs> Roman, can we not shame janitors, please? You know I love shaming just whoever. Um, <laughs> and he he's except he's in three places in these issue he's in banner's psyche and in his psyche he's taken on he's taken over the form of the green scar i think the okay so the giant brained thing is the leader in there yeah okay yeah. but he looks kind of like in, maestro almost. yeah he's in he's in planet hulk's body okay um in the psyche yep. um and then he's also in the place below or whatever they call it which is mm -hmm. below hell, um, which is where Brian Banner is. He's also down there with Doc Sampson, who he's absorbed Doc Sampson's powers. So Doc Sampson's just a little skinny guy. Is Brian Banner's middle name Michael? Django, we are trying to finish, <laughs> actually put some stuff together. Do you have, is this a, some sort of movie reference or character from the music world in the 80s? Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis was a big music guy in the oh, 80s. Oh, Brian Michael Banner. Okay, it yeah. was just a dumb fucking pun. That's why we're here now. <laughs> yes. Hey, Dad, can you pull over? I need to pee. All right, we found a rest stop. I'm not going to pull over. I don't over. have to go anymore, actually. Um, I'm not going to pull over. I'm going to turn this car around. Actually, I just wanted to find a rest stop that had a condom machine so I could buy one, but I just remembered this one doesn't have one, so I have to pee at the next rest stop. Um, yeah. Um, Oh, and also the leaders in Rick Jones's mutated, horribly misshapen body at the Shadow Base site, um, which is where they were all operating out of their HQ, basically. Okay, so so the leaders in three places. He's in. He's the the horrible Planet Hulk thing. He's the more leader-looking character in the place below, mm -hmm. and then he's in Rick Jones's body in the shadow base and that's that horrible upside down head thing okay so yeah, in yeah. the threshing place no not the threshing but in one of the immortal hulk things we did hear more about um the leader or maybe it was a tie-in to something but it was the leader had alluded to it was immortal she-hulk being able to like oh. see outside of people who were corrupted by the green door so i could see how that relates to this now yeah yeah he's figured out because he's super genius how to uh not only go through the green door, but how to use it to spy on people and get into their psyches. And you're, you're saying psyches. And, and so, yeah, those are the, like inward there. They have a physical representation in these issues. And, and I wasn't exactly sure of what those were or where they were, you know, like the hell place or the, the psyche. Yeah. There, and like, and ban, or here they call it banners mindscape. It's called the inner world, which is banners okay. inner world. And the other okay. thing here is, somebody you may not be familiar with because he hasn't been seen in years. Oh, and it's cool. I just realized when you see this figure in locked in chains, in prison and chains and this like doomsday yeah. like, device, 
half the device is purple and half is gray. So it's kind of like Hulk theme colors. Oh, but who is that thing? Oh, um, that's the that's the Devil Hulk, which was introduced way way. Peter David, I think, introduced him. That's the altar. That's the representation of all of Bruce, little Bruce Banner's resentment at everything in his life, basically. Um, and did it look like that, or is this the first time it's had a physical form? No, it's looked like that before. It's always looks reptilian. Sometimes it has other looks, but always has the red glowing eyes. And it's okay. actually more. It's pro, It's maybe the most powerful of all the Hulk altars because yeah, in the past, see, it took, but, yeah. yeah. It took yeah. both Joe Fixit and, and regular Savage Hulk together to hold okay. it down. Okay, other question. In the Peter David run where they had created Joe Fixit, um, in the Mindscape here, actually it's the Hellscape, there is the Joe Fixit character that's like got the Hawaiian shirt and the mustache and the glasses. Is that, yeah. did, is that how Bruce Banner looked at that time during the Peter David run when he was also Joe Fixit? Not that I remember because during that run he just – just Joe Fixit was always Joe Fixit. He yeah, never he was changed. Hulk he in a suit. Yeah, he never changed back in the banner. Okay, so this is just if he had had a banner persona at that time, he would have looked like this. Yeah, and and this, and they haven't explained why he's lost his Hulky powers, but that's why he looks like this instead of a Hulk because for some unexplained reason, he just doesn't have his powers. And he thinks okay, Banner's, everybody. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, and and he thinks Banner is behind it. The Banner's like, no, I'm not. I'm not suppressing your powers. I don't know what's going on. So that was Roman catching Jeff up on Immortal Hulk. I think it's awesome. And the amount of work, he's almost doing like the Grant Morrison Batman thing with Hulk. He's like taking all of these Peter David things and other Hulk stories and kind of flushing out this, you know, psychological horror drama that is, you know, more an exploration of like psychological concepts than it is you know, a Marvel comic book in a lot of regards. Like, a, a, you know, like, let's explore the idea of an internal mindscape and then the hidden resentment from your childhood that, like, you know, Peter David had written about. But putting that all into a modernized and flushing it out story is is really impressive to me in terms of, you know, modern comic book storytelling. Did you give it a 10? You know, I will. <laughs> you guys didn't <laughs> hey, see do the it. face he made. Yeah, do it, Roman. Do it. I'll give the, the the immortal Hulk number thirty eight a gooey duck ten. Ew, oh, gross! God, it got more humid in the room that I'm in when he did that. As soon as the fish escaped, it just got wetter in here. It's, it's, I was gonna it, get up and pee, but I'm afraid I'll slip. <laughs> it's bursting right through the green door. Hey, I stand oh. by the fact that I think that um, Joe Bennett's art looks like Mark Bagley's to an extent. Gosh, wow. what would you give it, Jeff? Oh, um, I think that if I had been reading all of the issues, I would give it like an 8.5 or a 9. And as it stands, I'll give it an 8. Um, I liked it a lot. And I liked the art in it a lot. And the shot where the leader, Rick Jones mm. thing, gets like just like lasered in half. And the body is like, that is brutal <laughs> and awesome. And, and I liked even more hearing your thoughts about like your explanation about what's going on. It, it's nice to know. And I, I feel like within two or three issues, I'll be able to, you know, not need training wheels to be reading it again. And hopefully one day we'll read a year's worth of these issues to catch back up. Django death metal. Number four, you're driving this car. Oh, really? Do I have to? Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, Eva Placentia. Um, gosh, 
this was just more Scott Snyder channeling cocaine in the DC universe. I've done cocaine. It makes more sense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what the heck he's channeling. Um, I don't really know what happened here. I know that it progressed the story a, a good amount. Like, I feel like, I feel like we were at a, a, di- a much different place at the end of this issue than we were at the end of any other recent last issue. We get a new character design for Darkseid. He's got tusks. And we see Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman hanging out in the um, crisis worlds that they ended up in, which are crises that they lost rather than crises that they won. And they went there in the one-shot multiverses end, and they explained that there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone who had complaints about like Final Crisis with Grant Morrison expecting people to read tie-ins and things not making sense this is like they are there are like seven one shots and they all seem integral oh yeah yeah in fact you get you get uh one page of the flash one shot in this and i think that the whole flash one shot was pretty important to read and the, uh, like this one page of it here this whole issue takes place them at these different crises that they won yeah but the explanation for why they're there and how they got there all happened in a one shot. I don't even know how, if you could, if you could read just the main series of this book. No, you can't. I, I think that, I think that that's more of an editorial problem than a story problem, because yeah. I think that if you're keeping up with this, you're getting everything you need to get out of it. It does have, it, I, it actually kind of reminded me of the Grant Morrison Batman um, in that the more, history you have preloaded in your brain for the DC universe, the more you're able to get out of this. Um, So like if you didn't read zero hour and crisis on infinite earths and what is the other one? Is it, is it just final crisis? This is final crisis, infinite crisis and crisis on infinite earths. Okay. If you didn't read those or at least have an awareness of those, you're going to have a hard time understanding the impact here. Um, I don't know. This, this feels like a love letter to the DC universe written by somebody who expects you to to have read. No, just, just somebody who's read it all and and knows it all better than I do. Probably better than anybody but Roman do. To me, it feels like a love letter to the DC universe written by a person who wasn't invited to be there. Like, no, but it's really (laughs) cool. You guys do this and you could do this. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. But we'd rather not do that. Like, that's not, we've done it this way for a long time. Can you, yeah, no, it's great. Like, but when I'm in charge, you guys are going to do this crazy and it's going to go into this. I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. Except I've never had a mullet. Um, (laughs) But it's almost, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was, I mean, I, you know, if it were an entirely, I hate to say that if it were an entirely Elseworlds thing, I would like mm-hmm. it more. Or it would just mm-hmm. bother me less because yeah. like we've created the black label books and, and all these Elseworlds things. So why not go for it? But, um, you know, outside of the, the weirdness of like, you've got to read these one shots and it's not very well explained and there's a lot of huge jumps. And there's just like, we just created like a two issue, just like you got to gather up all this energy doing this bullshit task. And then you've done it. All right. Oh no, something crazy happened. And I had a trick up my sleeve and all the energy you gathered has turned me into this crazy new God 
Batman who laughs, the Batman new God who laughs. And um, then he's like, so let me be the first to welcome you to the last 52. And he shows, you know, like seven planets. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, take me there. I'm down <laughs> yeah, with that. Go. Like, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't necessarily like getting here, but every time you've shown me an inter- like an interesting idea that I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Like, I'll check it out as long as you're not making me think it's important. But it seems like you're trying to make me think it's important and that bums me out. But like, if it's not, I'll go check it out. There was, a, there was a point in my life that was maybe four or five months where I decided that if I got invited to do something, I was going to go do it. And uh, it didn't matter what it was. If, it, if I didn't have a time constraint or a conflict, I would do it. And I ended up at some really fucking weird parties uh, in vans with people that I would never get into a van in again. Um, how we and I feel like Scott Snyder is doing that to me right now. He's just like, hey, come to the last 52 with me. I'm like, well, fuck. All right. Let's do it. Like, what's before. the worst can happen? I'll have to turn down a bunch of weird drugs. Yeah recently divorced my kids are out of the house you know i've I've quit my job i guess i don't have anything to lose let's go to the last 52 i guess i'll go to the multiverses end with you scott i guess i'll make sure i get home and i got my lazy boy waiting for me yeah and i don't know if we can guarantee that how annoying is the the term alfred box coming up over and over again mother boxes and now we have the (laughs) alfred box and it's like i fucking hate it and the thing that is the fucking worst is that it seems like it's a trying to be tied into modern continuity multiple times. And it's just like, stop it. It's not, this doesn't fit in. Like at one point I forget where it is, but they go somewhere and they're like, Oh, time has passed differently because you're still doing this thing. And I've been over in this world and everyone looks different for no reason. And like, this can't be our world because no one looks the same and doesn't make sense. And People thought Final Crisis. The complaint about Final Crisis not making sense. At least it had an internal logic, you know. Like this, this now. It's like you've got to. The people who are mad about Final Crisis have to be up in arms, but I don't think they are because they're probably like, "Oh, give me a Bud Light, man, metal. This is fucking dope." (laughs) Okay, so but but let's let's unpack that a little bit because I don't think I think that Scott Snyder is a better writer than to do all of this for no reason, just for the radness of it. I think that pretty much everything in here has a root in existing continuity or continuity that he established at some point in Batman or metal. And I think that he's, I think that he's got a big toy that he doesn't quite handle as gracefully as Grant Morrison does. But I think that he's shooting that same kind of final crisis shot where you don't have all of the context that you should self-contained in this. But if you do have that, then things start to make a lot more sense. And I don't think that he's necessarily earned that. And I don't think that he's maybe the the person to do this story. But I kind of respect that he's trying to do that. And even though he's not pulling it off for us, I I... I got to give him props for for giving it his best shot and not we're we're four issues into this which is actually like eight issues with all the spin-offs and this is on top of like a 12 issue or a 15 issue story that he did in the original metal and we're still reading this same long ridiculous convoluted garbage story there's something there 
And I think that it's probably more compelling, but like it's, it's easier to get through, even though it doesn't make any sense than Final Crisis was for me. Because Final Crisis, I was lost and not super entertained the whole time. And this, this one, at least every three pages, there's an invisible metal chainsaw or, you know, uh, Lobo running around with Jonah Hex's head under his arm or whatever. And that's like the difference, like you and I, where I'm like, I'm a little bit insulted by that. <laughs> and I, I would rather be confused because I feel like someone is really intelligent and they've constructed a me like a woven tapestry that I have to figure out and I haven't figured out yet. Whereas like, but I gave you a big dick shaped car. You can drive it. Like, you know, it's like, that feels like what this is a little bit. I would give it um, 6.5. Seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> listen, before we get to Roman's super hot shot, steamed up now, don't, coffee don't, don't build it up too much <laughs> steamed up roman's f- frothy latte of comic love uh, never say frothy next to roman again <laughs> okay um before we get there though we got to talk about seven secrets number three by tom taylor T- taylor danielle di nicuolo and walter biomonte uh we didn't really talk about number two this is the tom taylor book that he's doing from boom studios django loves tom taylor his 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 excitement for for Tom Taylor meant that I had to not miss an issue of a Tom Taylor book just to be like I can't wait for him to miss a beat so I can laugh at Django when he's pooped his pants on the floor. He won't do it, and he won't do it. He won't do it. He's just every time he's better, and he I think he's one of the best writers in comics currently for me. Best I don't know about best one of the most Jeff writers for sure. And one thing that I wanted to bring up is while I was reading Rorschach, it made me think about reading Seven Secrets number three. Because I think that this, the pacing in Seven Secrets Number Three, I think the pacing in the series is incredible. I think that more things need to do this, where we in, introduce to a world. There's this like organization. There's these secrets. They have briefcases. We don't really know what it means. But bam, we have these two awesome protagonists that we like, and they had a kid, and they don't get to raise it because they have to do this thing instead. And then we're gonna spend the second issue like learning about this kid. And then like the parents trying to have a connection with him and then the dad dying at the end. Mm-hmm. And then him sort of being pressured into training to take his dad's position with his mom, but his mom, like, he's not really even allowed to think of them as parents. And then a big explosion happens and the organization gets under attack. It's like what it's like. He spent three issues making us care about all of the people before making us care about the plot. And because mm-hmm. he did that, I care about the plot way more. Rorschach yeah. is very, very good, but I did not know who anybody was. The plot was the thing that makes you take interest in the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, who's, is he a cop? Is he not a cop? What is this guy? We're just in a room now all of a sudden and we have to figure out who this guy is for, you know, eight pages and, and there's a time jump in it. And it wasn't bad, but I had to work. I had to be like, okay, well, who is this person? And what do I think about the them? opposite structure? It's the exact opposite <clears throat> structure. And this is like, we're going to like the plot of the world of this book could be boring at this point, but I'm so enmeshed with the characters, which is what Tom Taylor so consistently mm-hmm. is able to do is make you care so deeply about characters that I don't care what it is. Cause I love these people. And he gets you invested in these characters with, it, what would be in anyone else's hands a cheap shot over and over and over like when was the last time you read a story where 
a kid who didn't never got to hang out with his dad gets a trunk full of 18 years worth of presents and you didn't think god that's ham-fisted garbage and then in this one i was like oh man that's rough i feel bad for these people <laughs> i didn't feel like it was easy as soon as it happened i was like oh that makes sense. like that's a thing maybe i've seen somewhere like it's not a brand new concept but it's a highly emotionally impactful thing like he he's not doing brand new things but he's doing it in like you know he's he's redressing things in a way oh man there's a creator on the tip of my tongue that i can't think of who it is but like he's just it, oh he's, it's kind of like donny cates he's like donny cates in a different way he's like and donny cates is sort of like re he's looking at playing with the history of a, like a established continuity in a fun way and then giving you just a fun version of that i feel like tom taylor does that with human emotions like he just like He's like Donny Case doesn't do brand new shit, but he just allows himself to take some short roads to get to new roads in a good way. And I feel like yeah. Tom Taylor does that with emotions. So amazing. Like it's all, you just know your heartstrings are going to get pulled, but it doesn't ever feel cheap. And it feels like it's, I just fucking love it, man. And I'm so glad that you got on his boat like early and took it that took stand because it caused me to be like, all right, now I have to be aware of this guy. And I've never not liked one of the things that he's written. It took a fucking zombie book to make me do that. Yeah. You know, deceased was what got me. And I, I probably say this every single time we do a podcast that has him on it, but um, I've got to read injustice. Yeah. We all have to. That's it. We should do an episode by episode podcast about that. I hate that. Okay. Joke at this point, right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I, I just wanted to talk really loud at, you Django, since you're the only person I know is reading this, I don't want to mon monopolize that conversation. What are your thoughts on this book at this point? Like, do, are you liking it? You you said everything that we need to say. It's great. Okay. It's great. And and uh, I catch a little bit of flack for being a huge fan of the Mission Impossible franchise. And we, we one of the one of the things that I love about it is that in a good Mission Impossible movie, they never stand around a table and tell you what they're gonna do they run away from the bad guys and drive cars real fast while they're telling you what they're going to do. And this is doing that emotionally the whole time. So you see him training, but you're getting the context for his, his thoughts and his life and his isolation from his parents. And like, there's, there's not a lot of exposition that doesn't have other things propelling it. And um, no, I, that's, that's a really, that's I, I, a I think it's really, really skilled. And I, I mean, I'm still reading what is basically a manga book at this point. And the in, art in look and in yeah, feel. Yeah, and sure. uh, I, I would not be reading this if the writing wasn't so strong. What do you give it? I give it an eight. I'm going to go nine. Yeah. And then I don't want an explanation of all the Mission Impossible movies. Which is your favorite? Just, um, the, just the title. Rogue Nation. Okay. Um, and... Uh, maybe the last one fallout was really fucking good wow so they've gotten better how many yeah, dude. possible movies are there six or seven really you can, going number two of... is bad the rest of them are at least great i think i've only seen great. the first three wow. the third one was good too yeah philip seymour um, hoffman yeah r.i.p yeah. roman you had some books to talk to us about i at do. least three i do yeah at least three. Um, Captain America number 
oh, I got the Philip, or Philip Ross, geez, Alex Ross cover, um, which doesn't have an issue number on it. Number 24. The main thing I wanted to say about this book is the Red Skull is coming back in a big way. And I'm When was excited. the last time we've seen the Red Skull? Uh, oh, I guess Original Sin? Was no, that it? Um, like that's, Axis. That's, that storyline, was that the one? The storyline where he had Professor Charles X's Xavier, yeah, brain, brain stuck on his head or something? Okay, that, that was dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's never mentioned in this okay. run of Captain America. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, he's coming back. He has a great scene in here where uh, he's talking to this guy. He's about to torture her and just saying how... I superintended camps that made Auschwitz look like an afternoon soiree. The begging of the damned were but, but so many lullabies to me. Um, that is the quality of the man you are facing, Herr Tari, a man, alas, who is not a man at all. And then there's this great looming image of him. Oh, it's so great. He's one of my favorite villains because he's just a straight up outright horrible, horrible, even for Nazi, horrible Nazi. <laughs> so let's take a minute to talk about um, if you want to know a good Red Skull story mm-hmm. because Roman just talked about this great fucking thing. When I was getting into comics as an adult, one of the first things that like I was reading that Roman was into that before I knew Roman that allowed us to have a shared common space was the Greg Pack Red Skull Incarnate series. Mm. So right yeah. when I started shopping at the store, I started getting that because I had heard somewhere that it was like I read a review that it was good. So I started getting it and it was fantastic. And you were like, oh, I love this book. And I was like, sweet, this fucking sexual old man is into the same stuff that I'm into. And you're not old. You're, you were youthful, but older than me. Not like a, not, not, there's not I'm, an old, I'm an old soul. There's not, you're, there's not an old bone in your body except for the one. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, Red Skull Incarnate. Greg Pak, if you're at all interested in a good Red Skull story, everyone should check that thing out. I'm not sure if there's yeah. a good version of it in print right now, but it's an a, amazing Red Skull story. And I, I agree with Roman wholeheartedly. One of the most fucking if like yeah visceral marvel characters so so That's glad Red to see him was... coming back um okay so what's roman's next book Roman Django just sent us a text about a gooey duck and there was a picture of a gooey duck clam in it and they are absolutely disgusting creatures oh, oh my yeah, god I'm, I'm glad i <laughs> looked at that text i'm gonna Did bring my gooey duck realize gun. how phallic gooey ducks are no well, well, <laughs> no they just look like a delicious meal jeff Okay, I think it's kind of phallic looking. It's gross. Well, get used to it. Get, get used to it, because when we have our excursion, we're going to be digging up a whole bunch of them. Oh yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be gooey buddies, eating them out of the sand. A couple gooey duckers. Um, yep. wait, 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 fresh wait, wait. And, fresh and gritty and wet. Gooey duck buddies. You know, like gooey f gooey, gooey <laughs> buddies. You know, you get it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> Roman, what else is in your stack? Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number six by Greg Pak. And some other folks. Oh, um, the writer of Red Skull Incarnate. Oh my gosh, yeah. Wow, what a, what a segue. Um, this was really cool because it's Darth, the last handful of issues, last five issues, Vader's been running around the galaxy trying to, um, on a quest for revenge against anybody, everybody who hid Luke Skywalker from him. Um, and, and the last few issues, he found out the truth about the death of Padme, found out the, um, the Emperor was involved in that. And now he's gone back to the Emperor and he's in, and, and the Emperor is pretty pissed at him for going off on this mission on his own to get revenge and find out more stuff about Padme because the Emperor always told him, you know, don't worry about it. Um, that's the past. So in this issue, it's great because the Emperor 
punishes Vader. And it's, it's cruel and vicious. And at one point he has whatever those guys, the, the red armored guys in the, the robes. The cool ones. Imperial yeah. Guard. Imperial Guard, yeah. They attack Vader and, and Vader's beating them. But then the Emperor does his, you know, waves his hand and takes Vader's lightsaber. And they torture Vader and pretty much the Emperor ends up um, dressing him down and then chopping off all his cybernetic limbs torturing him that way and then has him sent back to uh, Mustafar, the volcano planet, where him wow. and Kenobi had their had their showdown. And, and where Emperor, his castle is, right? Does he have a castle there? I, th I think that that's the planet that his his headquarters is on. We did ah. that, that IDW thing created Vader's castle and everything. Oh, okay, right, okay. Um, and yeah, the Emperor, you know, tells him he's been a bad boy basically drops him on the end of the on the shoreline by the lava river close enough that his leg stumps catch on fire and they're slowly sizzling again away. yeah again and then he drops his i light feel like a kid again <laughs> and then he drops his lightsaber like just out of vader's reach and says well if you can survive this and make it back you can serve me again and then he leaves <laughs> and leaves wow. vader there <laughs> so when is this taking place this is uh well, it's after, God, which movie is it that Vader and reveals he's Luke's father, Empire? Yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this, is, this series is uh, just after Empire. Wow. That, that adds a lot of weight to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this series for that. Here's for the person you're, okay, the last page of this, Django, that's where this <laughs> Ochi Beston assassin of the Sith is introduced. Okay. Yeah, people people are excited about that first appearance. Hmm, okay, <laughs> I, I was so I was so non excited. I forgot that page was, was there. <laughs> Odie of Beston. Odie wasn't that the dog that Garfield hung out with? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that was Darth Vader. You got another one for us? Yeah, it's I about Darth Garfield. <laughs> Darth Garfield. <laughs> the next book is Green Lantern number eight, which. Mm. Uh, this is one of the issues that if you're on the fence about Morrison sometimes, this issue would drive you away from the series. But it's a mm. great issue. This is the third book I had to read twice. Um, and th just because this one, it's one of those, and I usually don't like this device where it starts off right at the beginning of the, the book, it starts off with the end, and then the next page is one hour earlier and so on throughout the issue where it's like, oh, eight minutes before, blah, blah, blah. But Morrison does it so well, and it's not, and it's in a different way than uh, when he does it in Batman and Robin. Different than that, and it's also different than what was that sci-fi series by Jeff Lemire? Descender. No, before that, before Descender and Ascender, um, the one where it was told so that you could oh Trillium. Trillium, yes. Right. It's, it's also done differently <clears throat> than that, but kind of the same idea. Mm -hmm. Because you get to the end of this issue, and I immediately, starting at the end, then read, not really backwards, but read from, you know, the last page to the front page. Chronologically forwards. Yeah, yeah, going the other way, chronologically forward. And it was so well done. It was so good. I was like, oh, my God, this took so much planning and, and thinking this through to make this work. And he totally hmm. makes it work. And it even does think little things like because Hal's in the antimatter universe, 
when he's there from the antimatter universe's characters, what Hal says is backwards because mm. he's from the positive mm. universe. So you have Fuck to read you. it backwards. He fucking <laughs> nice. loves that. He's going to fucking put this out as a giant hardcover, like absolute green, green lantern. And mm. there's going to be these issues, which are like the bizarro issues in all-star Superman where you're like, what? They're yeah. all talking backwards. Um, does, does this one stand on its own? Like many of the issues in this series have, or is this part of a mini arc or could I, uh, I haven't read any of season two. Could I dip in on this? I think you could. I mean, it, it, it continues some plot lines from the last couple of issues, but you know, basically if you know what the, the, the Quardians are and the antimatter universe is, and which is basically that they're bad guys and they, they like to beat up on anybody from the positive universe. That's really all you need to know. Sure. This is the most green lantern that I've ever read in a row. Uh, like I, I was tempted the other day to grab green lantern rebirth because it's probably something that I should have in my brain. Um, but I've, I've really enjoyed the Green Lantern, the, the Morrison run so far, season one and two. I'm, I'm an issue or two behind, but uh, I'm excited to read this one, Roman. Yeah, I mean, this one I, I would give a 10, also just because it's... Oh, <laughs> it's on my face. Why does it smell like cat food? It's got to have some sort of strange bacterial growth. That don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah just because it it's so well done. The art is beautiful and dark and atmospheric. And it's, it, it, it was the comic this week that made me work the hardest, and it paid off. God, I love that you had an extra gooey duck up there that you were just waiting to <laughs> fucking throw in our salty faces. Um, like, he's like uh, Donald Duck's nephews. Huey, Dewey, and gooey. Gooey, Dewey, and duck. <laughs> um <laughs> Roman, you are you you contain multitudes. If someone were to ask me yesterday if Roman is reading all the Star Wars books, I would say probably not. And then he does something <laughs> like this. Um, before we leave, on that note, you guys, I did find an email from Will Elmer, and what well, I love, well, 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 it's Bear, and you can huff my shorts. This is good. This is my favorite thing that's been happening is we've been getting a lot of traction from just people positing input on Andrew Carlson's new game. Um, (laughs) And Will has suggestions. And it just went away. Just a second. Here it is. William Elmer to all of us. Pap fam. I just wanted to pop in real fast to offer some name suggestions for the new FOTS hosted game. Here are some (laughs) ideas I'm thinking of. And I, I like it. Carlson's Continuity Corner pretty good yeah, i like that yeah pretty yeah. good immortal thoughts thoughts <laughs> i like that too <laughs> whose score is it anyway which i believe dino suggested that's I, I good think, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the lazarus pit where old scores are resurrected but not quite the same as they once were <laughs> um looking forward to the next game turn up love you guys awesome will elmer sent from my iphone um, I'm Man, not sure could... why everyone writes that at the end of their emails sent from my iPhone. Like you don't need to tell me that. It just slows you down, but you got to do it. <laughs> um, um, those are great suggestions. I honestly think that Carlson's continuity corner is like up there for me right now is the front runner in my mind. My, my favorite one is immortal, immortal thoughts. thoughts. That's thoughts. really yeah. good too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really like the Lazarus pit one too. Something about that made me think that there could be different forms of the same game show. 
right? Okay. So okay. he gives us multiple choice and each per like whoever goes first chooses one of those scores is what they think was theirs. And then the other two have two scores left to choose I like or that. vice versa. Here's a score. Which of these books did you give it to? I, these are, these are questions for Andrew. He it's his game, but he's fucking <laughs> killing it. And I love it. And I'm excited to have him on again. Uh, when the ever wonderful win Buckley uh, wrote in, when oh, wrote, wrote in when when wrote in listen i several days ago when wrote in and they said uh when yelling from the back of the room aiko did the art for the steve orlando midnighter books and an issue of the two supreme Squad- supreme squadron books and that nick fury book was so good so when fuck yes you're wow, right i didn't i didn't realize that aiko did i didn't as, as soon as they mentioned it i was able to picture that book and i, I yeah. think that aiko even did the covers on several of them like there's like those rippling circles anyway that book was cool i didn't read all of it but i read a fair amount of it because aiko's art and that's the other big book that i have in my mind for aiko's art is nick fury and midnighter so it's crazy they don't have a larger body of work and i'm uh but i was very very glad that when it specified that because i was like I, I i know them from something more than just nick fury well jeff are, are we gonna are we gonna drop like the first episode of season three of Batman in Quarantine into the main feed just to remind people who maybe forgot that uh, sure well, there there's another fifty fifty three or fifty four episodes of content out there already. If you're missing this, uh, if you're missing this moment of like Roman and Jeff and Jango hanging out talking about stuff, we have been recording um, anywhere between four and three episodes of a different podcast a week that are anywhere from thirty minutes to like fifty five minutes in length about the issue by issue grant morrison batman comic book that's coming out through batman in quarantine it's been a ton of fun you should check that out in your podcast feed issue or episode 50 or 49 50 51 52 53 changed my opinion on the grant morrison run completely. wow listening to those episodes helped yep. change your opinion on it yeah that's crazy um that's crazy a crazy other thing that happened is that andrew carlson created a facebook group for that, uh, we, we were getting emails from people asking to be a part of that. So I'm going to drop that into the Batman and Quarantine feed. He recorded a nice thing about it. Um, maybe I'll even put that in here. I'm going to put that in here. Do it I'm everywhere, try, I'm, man. I'm going to do it. Because Andrew recorded a thing I haven't listened to yet, but it's going to be fantastic. But anyway. Oh God, I hope it, it's good now. You just promised. <laughs> he's, it's Andrew Carlson. If it, Even at his worst, it's better than anyone I've ever known. He's a, he's a, he's a thoughts of a man. Um, he is a thoughts of a man. And, and I adore him. So yeah, he's incredible. And it was very generous, generous of him to donate as much time to it as he has. Fox anyway. is short for friend, friend of the shows. Absolutely. Yeah. Friend of the shows. And uh, so you could, you could Facebook search Batman in quarantine and you could find that group. I bet. I don't really know how to use Facebook, but I think that's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Um, and you can just share your thoughts, have an opinion, get in there. But um, if you're just looking to be able to talk to people about comics, that's a great way to do it. Thank you, Andrew, for that. Check out Batman in Quarantine. That has been a ton of fun. We're taking a week off right now before we start season three. Good wow. God. What a thing that we've done on that one. It's, I'm really impressed with it, man. It's, uh, it, it is entertaining and it sounds good and i haven't listened to every episode but i started a few episodes ago and and started doing it through while i was doing the the delivery route last week and there's there are some deep thoughts there yeah we get vulnerable on that one there's less farting and more vulnerability i think it happens (laughs) early in the morning is why yeah and i'm not on it very often 
I would like you on it more. But no, when you do it before noon, things are just vulnerable. You know how upset I am in the morning, Django. Yeah, Yeah, you get out of bed and roll out and you're all vulnerable. Yeah. It's, uh, you know how friends named each... Yeah. (laughs) Friends named each episode like... The one where? The one about, yeah. Yeah. That's the one where we drink coffee instead of beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 but I guess on that note, you can write us emails here and send them to info at thecomicsplace.com. Um, I guess really, realistically, we should just create a separate email for this podcast as well. But um, info at thecomicsplace.com, subject, papcast, thoughts, questions, fart sounds, things you want us to talk about, things you are upset about. Do you think Roman's voice sounds strangely mellifluous and sexy? I agree. Tell me your thoughts on that. Let's just share them. Um, but but do it info at the You could record a voice memo and email it to us. I would love to to hear stories of people talking their friends into listening to episodes of this. <laughs> yeah, or if you think that you know how to pronounce the word mellifluous, like oh, I you tried did to it. just you just say. you just spoiled it. Oh shit, mellifluous. Mellifluous. <laughs> um, I just want to hear anything from anybody because I look at these two gorgeous boys all the time, but I want other voices in my head. Um, but on that note, this was episode 198 of Papcast, and I feel like we should probably get out of here because we have actually we have a really important subject matter we have to talk about as soon. Yeah, uh, hey, Jeff and Roman, we, I need to talk to you guys upstairs. Yeah, is this where oh, we man. finally get fired from Papcast? <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> Next week, 199 is just Django alone in a room. Um, so I liked this one. i'm Django, and happy birthday will elmer i'm jeff and happy birthday will elmer and ashton luke harris Mm. Mm. all right roman you got three go birthday happy birthday will elmer ashton luke harris and um gary washington like a week ago nice we are men of the people i love it (laughs) 